What if I told you that you can design and live the life that you want on your own terms? Would you do it? Would you take a leap into the unknown? Or would you settle for a life of limits? A life of safety but lacking true meaning? Zeph and Moses Blacksburg here, and I'm on a journey to help you ignite your inner passions, let go of your fears, and get more out of life. Will you join me and make this year your year of purpose? Welcome to the Year of Purpose podcast. What's up, everybody? Zephan Blacksburg here from the Year of Purpose podcast. And if you don't know me by now, you probably want to go back and watch the previous like 20 some episodes because we talked to some really cool people. So welcome back if you've heard our podcast before and welcome if you are a new person. Uh, I want to introduce you to someone today that I actually was fortunate enough to meet through going out to a conference in Las Vegas about a week or two ago. And uh, through a mutual friend, we met and connected. Really cool guy, his name is Sean Dasani, and he's located in Los Angeles, and basically he's an actor, a producer, and a host. Uh, He began his career in entertainment, working behind the scenes, spending the last 10 years uh, working in film production, creating short films, commercials, music videos, web series, and videos for mobile apps. Uh, He's also a member of the Directors Guild of America, and uh, Sean has created award-winning content with his production company, Karma Theory Films, focusing on character and emotion to tell stories that engage. Now, several years ago, Sean's life took a major turn as he embarked on a game-changing transformation, transitioning gender. The process led to some major soul-searching, spiritual questioning, and honest conversations with loved ones. Since transitioning, Sean has become more active in seeking on-camera and on-stage roles. He is currently creating an adventure reality docu-series called Born to Transform, a show where he takes the idea of learning something new and turns it into an ambitious 24-hour challenge. Now, Sean, I watched your your trailer for this, and one of the funniest things that kind of popped out to me is you were like in front of this venue for a concert, and you're like, I'm going to learn how to play an instrument, and in 24 hours, I'm playing it at this place. Only problem is, I've never played this instrument before. So that's pretty cool. I'm really excited to see what happens with Born to Transform uh, and where this goes. But how about, let's just talk about where that idea came from. Sure. First of all, Zephyr, thank you. That was such a cool intro. I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to be here today and talk to you. Um, Born to Transform, uh, I, I don't know <laughs> where it came from. Sometimes like these things manifest from like these other world sources, like from, from the higher powers. But um, so last year, like you were saying, I, I started pursuing more on-camera uh, opportunities. And I was taking this hosting class with a woman named Marky Costello. She's based here in LA. Uh, she's really good and she's really, um, she's really good at helping you figure out what your brand is gonna be. And I told her, I said, look, I don't know how to, find my brand, so to speak, because um, so much of who I am is intertwined with this personal transformation that I, that I was actually going through right then. I was kind of in the thick of things. And, you know, we kind of, we, we talked about it. And she kept encouraging me, think about it, think about what you want to do, because I knew I didn't want to do like red carpet interviews, like, uh, or entertainment news. It just wasn't my thing. I might watch it, but it's not what I wanted to be known for. And I started thinking about transformation and transitioning and um, how much of my life 
I didn't think was possible because I didn't feel like I identified with my body and things I had always held myself back from. And I thought, well, look, it's not just you. A lot of people do this. I thought about um, people that I knew and why we sometimes live a life that we think we're supposed to live because that's what, that's the image we've been presented with. Um, and we don't do these like crazy adventurous things. Like there are people that do it, but by and large, we live in this way. You know what I mean? Like this like regimented, you're thus and thus age, you're supposed to go to college, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have kids and do all this stuff. And where is there room to really explore adventurous things and have fun? And I started thinking about this and then I made a list of all the things I didn't know how to do. And I looked at it and I thought, that's a really long list. <laughs> and we have this finite amount of time in life. And I thought, what if I learned all of these things, how to do these things? And um, at the same time, I was thinking about this show and I thought, well, what if I learned how to do it in 24 hours? Not in a given day, one set day, like 24 hours, but an hour a day for like, say, a month and worked one on one with an expert, somebody who has already mastered that skill and they teach me what they know. And whatever happens at that 24th hour, I perform it somewhere. And um, that's where the idea came from. And I started telling people about it and people really resonated with this, the fun of it and the adventure of it. And then people started asking, well, why? Like, why did you get this idea? And I had to, I had to go into my personal transformation. Um, so it took a little time to get comfortable talking to people about transitioning, especially when they were people I was just meeting for the first time. Yeah, but. so it, there's this script, right, of like what we think we're supposed to live our life as. This is a really cool topic I've been getting more and more into lately and figuring out is that like, everybody's under this impression of like, there's this pre-written script of you, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you get your degree, you get a job. And it's like, where's the part where we do what we actually want to do, right? Like, there's a balance. You can't just go and say like, I'm gonna go spend money frivolously that I don't even have, right? But I mean, that's where our religion and our upbringing has given us those, those right and wrong things to decide for ourselves. Um, and, and it's really cool that you brought up this topic because uh, actually just this morning I wrote a uh, email out to our, our list for a Year of Purpose podcast. And um, I talked about how uh, being alone, like we have this idea that we should never be alone, that we should always be talking to people and always be connected with everyone. I mean, Facebook, I can send a message to a friend in Israel, you know, in two seconds. Uh, and we're so interconnected and it's like there's this script of we have to be this way. Uh, and the coolest thing was last night I actually went to a concert alone. Um, and, and being alone, you really start to learn a lot about yourself and about uh, what you want and you start to follow that because for like the first 10 or 15 minutes, I kept looking at the door trying to like hope that a friend would come in the door waiting for them that way I wouldn't be alone. And I actually totally missed the whole time that the person running the front door, the person who was kind of at the box office area, was an old friend of mine that I haven't seen in about 10 years. And so we're so worried about following the script of how we think things should play out that we kind of miss these little gifts that are given to us. 
Uh, and so that was just a really cool experience I wanted to share with you because it really kind of lines up with that idea of, you know, is there a story for us that we're already supposed to play out? Uh, and so you're clearly going against the grain there and saying, no, I can rewrite my story exactly how I want it to be. Here's all the things I don't know how to do. So let's go and do it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I've been going against the grain for a long time. So this was just kind of a natural, well, what else are you going to do? You yeah. Know? So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, so you, so you want to learn... Do you have a, a set idea of like how many different skills? I mean, obviously the list could be increasing each and every single day, but are there a first like 10 or 50 or even 100 that, that you want to do? Or maybe uh, is there one or two that you're totally scared to even learn how to do? There's probably a lot that, uh, well, I was thinking about this. What would be the first thing? Because um, we shot a, it's called a sizzle trailer. We shot that uh, about a month ago and uh, just came up with a bunch of ideas there. But uh, I was really thinking about, well, when you start filming, what would be the first thing that you want to learn how to do? And a couple of things came to mind, so I haven't yet decided. But one is hip hop dance. Because I do dance, like I enjoy dancing uh, and then freestyling, but I have a hard time with choreography. And the way hip hop dancers, like, you know, I've been watching all these videos, the way that the moves are so precise and so like on point with like certain parts of the music, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And, um, and so I think there's a whole lot of confidence that comes out too, when you know how to move your body um, in this rhythmic way, like you've, there's a whole like comfort that happens within your sense of self. And um, not to mention, it's really fun. Um, so I think that's top on my, that's one of the top ones on my list. And another one would be um, martial arts, some sort of self-defense. The reason for that is, um, you know, Zephyr, when I started transitioning, and I don't even know how to like define that because I don't know when I really like started or what the starting point was. It was kind of been happening my entire life. Um, I, so I always presented very masculine. And somewhere in my mind when i knew i'm gonna start this process or i was just sitting with the process of okay you are transgender what are you gonna do about it i felt this sense of anxiety in how i was carrying myself um because i would go like say to a restaurant or the grocery store and i in my head i knew i'm i wanted to be referred to as sir and the person would always say, okay, ma'am, would you like, you know, uh, paper or plastic? And it felt so uncomfortable to me. And, um, and I started kind of walking in the world and moving in the world with this, oh, no, what are people going to think? And what, who's going to say what to me today? And just kind of like carrying this heaviness in not feeling comfortable. And I had a good friend at the time. I, met a, I made a good friend at the time who ended up being a guy that I would work out with. Now, he was a... Uh, he was actually a bodybuilder and he was Mr. Australia a wow. few years ago. So he was huge. And randomly, I ran into this guy at the coffee machine one day and it's like this big, bulging, 220 pound muscular guy. And I'm just kind of like, hey, man, you look like you work out. <laughs> just <gonna laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we started talking and he said that he trains people in boxing. And I said, man, I really want to learn. 
So I hadn't yet started coming out to people as identifying male. Like I would tell people that I was close to, but here was this, you know, this an Australian big bodybuilder and I was going to start training with them. And I thought, um, I don't know, we'll see what happens. And we started training the first few sessions and he, you know, just in his own way, in his own like charisma, he would just say, all right, sweetie, I need you to like duck a little. And, you know, he would call me sweetie all the time. And I'm like, man, I'm so not a sweetie. And third workout, I was like, look, I got to tell you something. Can you not, can you not call me sweetie? He was like, all right, what do you want me to call you? I'm like, well, what would you call the men that you work out with? And he said, well, I guess I'd say Mike. And I said, oh, call me mate. And he was like, all right, mate, you got it. And he was just so on board and on cool. And through the process of just like working out with him, you know, we had some great conversations about what it was to be a man and what masculinity was. And so he was kind of like the person that I would talk to when things came up as far as like guy stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, something's happening. So like a few months later, something was happening. I was like, it's really bizarre. I'm walking on the sidewalk, like just walking with another friend and another guy is coming from the opposite direction and they will like bump my shoulder. Okay. Like just shoulder when clearly there's room for us to walk around each other. And for some reason, it's not like in my mind it occurred to, to move. And it felt like a very deliberate thing in that person's mind to like bump my shoulder. And I'm like, what is this? So I asked him like, what is that? That, What is that? He's like, well, they're challenging you. What? It's a res- like a respect thing, but it's also a, I'm going to test you and see what you're made of. Thing. And I'm like, I have never experienced this before, but it started to get me to think like if you were ever in a situation where someone did want to be aggressive towards you, I'm not an aggressive person. Like I'm just not, um, but I would want to hold my own. You know what I mean? I would want to know how to defend myself and take care of myself. And I think most, I would think most people want to be able to take care of themselves in that way, like against any kind of like bully. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and so, uh, all the training that we did as far as boxing like that that kind of just got me that made me feel more empowered just as i was coming into my sense of being who i was it doesn't matter like male female man woman like just being owning who you are and being able to stand up for yourself so martial arts coming back to your question like that's a long answer but martial arts was kind of a big thing for me like if i ever wanted to uh handle myself or had to defend myself i I wanted to make sure i knew how to do that so i think that's probably those are my top two so, I mean, dancing and martial arts, like, that really requires being comfortable in your own skin, right? And, like, learning, you know, where your body is in space, uh, learning how your body works and functions, tr- uh, teaching your muscle memory new, new things and movements. Uh, so it's really cool that you're taking yourself uh, kind of out of your comfort zone to build a new comfort zone, so to speak, uh, in, in learning those things. Um, I have so many questions here right now that I want to ask, um, but I guess let's, let's just talk about like being comfortable. Cause you know, I feel like that, that's a pretty big thing. Um, you know, what is it like to grow up and be a certain way that you feel uncomfortable with, uh, and then to have to go and tell your family and your loved ones. I mean, you had a great example there of your bodybuilder friend. Um, how do you, cause this could apply to numerous scenarios. Um, for example, I had to tell my 
very Jewish mother that I was going to quit my job and start a business. And as you might know, it, that could cause a lot of freaking out. Um, so, you know, how do you go about approaching uh, both these people and these conversations uh, and trying to come into your own skin, whether that's, uh, in, in your case, an example, uh, genders, my case, an example, changing jobs or starting a business, you know, how can we learn to be more comfortable? What sort of skills or things uh, could we take advantage of? Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, learning how to be comfortable. I don't know. I don't know that it can be that it's something to, to teach, but I can just speak from like my process. Yeah. Uh, so from the time I was three years old, you know, that was about the time that I started to understand there, there's a thing called boys and there's a thing called girls. And I just thought I'm a boy. And I just thought that. Um, I don't know if I ever verbalized it. I'm not sure if I ever said it out loud. I just it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I know. There was nothing to really say or establish. And then as I got a little older, I thought, okay, so puberty, right? Like, like I'm sure my body will change and I'll be just like my cousin. My cousin, I had like two like role models like when I was a kid. So my male cousin who was just three years older and then my older sister. And so I thought, oh, I'll just be like him, you know, I'll hit that age and everything will just fall into place. I'll be fine. And um, I think 12 years old, 13 years old, that's not what happened at all. And I had, I was scared. I was really, really scared. And things started to, my body started to feminize. And um, my, my family is Indian, South Asian. And certain things happen in our culture, like, they, they say arranged marriage, but the way that my family does it, it's not like, it's not like you, you're meeting your future spouse the day of your wedding. It's not like that at all. But like they, they put this search out there for you that, oh, you know, you're of age and we're going to put the word out there into like the, the South Asian like world and we'll find a husband for you. You know, like it's this crazy network. Is there like I a website know. like JDate where they just go in and say, hey, here's a picture. Who wants it? kind of except there's no internet involved right. <laughs> they all like based on like where you're from in india where that state is like my family is uh cindy it's like a, our particular like um, state so to speak um and so we, they would put the word out there like to all the cindy's like hey you know we've got this child who's of age and we're looking for a husband and da 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 and so i was like oh my god they're gonna do that for me like when i get to this age and I would like, um, I felt like you have to now fit into that box. Like you've been a tomboy. Uh, that all was fine when you were 10, you're 13, 14, and things are not getting, things are not working in your favor. So you better try to like be a girl and be a straight girl. And um, I would, I would do these things where, you know, with my older sister, I would say, okay, um, how do you, like, I would ask her questions, like, you know, you like, okay, you like boys, like, you find boys attractive, like, how, like, what is it that you like? I would analyze, because I didn't see it, I didn't understand it, I was attracted to women, girls, um, and, um, and she would encourage me to curl my hair and do, like, wear skirts and all that stuff, and I was just like, yeah, how does this feel? Like, do you really, do you do this because you feel like you have to do it, or do you do this because you really like wearing makeup? 
why are you doing this? And she was like, no, I like wearing makeup. And I was like, oh my God, like I just really hated all of that stuff. And um, I hate wearing makeup too, if it makes you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the same page. But like every night, like I would go through this process of like just analyzing and trying to figure it out, like why I didn't fit. And every night for like three or four years between like ages 13 to 16, 17, I would pray and I would say to God, like, I know that you can make miracles happen. So I don't know how you're going to do it. But when I wake up in the morning, I want you to turn me into a boy because all of this stuff I'm doing, it just doesn't feel right, you know? And I'd wake up in the morning and just say, oh, and it didn't happen. And eventually I kind of gave up and I thought, okay, that's not going to happen. So you have to, there's no choice. You have to really figure this out. So I told my parents like, okay, look, uh, this is how I'm feeling. And my mom would say, it's okay. You know, I was a tomboy too. It's fine. It's a phase. You'll go out of it. And I think she would say stuff like that to make herself feel better and to give me a sense of comfort. And um, and I didn't know how to talk to my dad about it. He uh, he worked a lot. He was he was the he supported our family and we have a big extended family. And he was an entrepreneur and and he was he was around um, every week. He would be out of town for about two days of the week. So. To open up in this way, like I, I didn't yet feel comfortable to share all this with me because I, I was with my mom most of the time. Like she was the parent who was always there. So I told her and she would relate it to him. And so he talked to me one day and he said, you know, um, I have a good friend in the community who is a therapist. Would you like to talk to him? And I said, yeah, I do. I want to talk to him. So I was 18 and I saw this therapist and uh, it was a small town in North Carolina. And I didn't know what to expect. And the first day, I was in tears and I was crying and I said, I want you to help me be more like my sister. And I don't care what it takes, but you have to do this because at some point my family's going to try and arrange my marriage. I'm going to have to marry guys. So I just, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And he looked at me with the most like gentle eyes. And he said, and he actually had tears in his eyes. I still remember. He said, um, I will, I'm happy to work with you, but I want you to be open to the fact that that might not happen. Like at the end of all the therapy, you might not be how you think you're supposed to be. And that's okay. And I was so scared, Zeph, and I was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. Like we have to figure this out. So I had about two sessions with him, two to three sessions. And I think on the second or third one, he brought a Time magazine with him and he put it in this brown paper bag as if he was, you know, giving me a dirty magazine or something. <laughs> He gave it to me. He's like, I want you to read this. And it was the issue of time. I want to go back and find out what issue that was. But it was one of the first issues where they talked about how our, it was more focused on sexuality at that time because I didn't understand what transgender was at that point. But it was more about how our preferences could be coded into our DNA. And I was like, oh, my God, like, don't give me this. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like a straight edge person right now it's like I don't know what to do with this and I I saw him three times and at the time I was moving I was transferring colleges so I was moving away so I just didn't get a chance to work with him anymore but he recommended a different therapist to me in the town that I was going to be in college and that therapist was um he was kind of like okay all right you want to be you want to be straight and uh I I get that okay so I'm gonna help you 
I'm going to help you with that. And he would, you know, I'd come into these sessions with him and he was really asking me these questions about trying to fit into this, this box that every time I talked to him, I'm like, yeah, I don't, even though I knew that's why I came there, but I'm like, I can't, man. Like, it's just not, it doesn't feel natural to me. Yeah. And, um, and that whole, going through that whole process was like this feeling of getting comfortable. So I was a sophomore in college when all this was going down. By senior year, I had not yet come out to anybody. Um, and I had a friend who came up to me at a party and he goes, he put his hand on my shoulder. And he goes, you know, we know. And I was like, what? What do you know? And he was like, come on, we know. And he was like, all of your friends know, and it's okay, and we all love you. Wow. And what? Like, how do you know? Like, why didn't you tell me you knew? You know, just like going through this whole process. And, um, and, and yeah, I think that was like the most beautiful thing because I just started getting these hints of I'm around people that are supportive, wonderful people. And when I'm ready, they will still be wonderful, supportive people. And that's so much a part of the process of getting comfortable with who you are. That was for me, like, I don't think if I, if I had people that were constantly knocking me down or um, pushing at me in this way, I don't think I could have stayed in that space and become comfortable with who I am. That, that's really great. So the fact that your friends were able to accept it even before you know, you had made it clear to them. I mean, I'd imagine that probably really helps you in the process to uh, understand who you are because that's probably a big fear, right? Like having people accept you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of crazy because when you say it, um, part of me is like, why do we care so much about what other people think? I mean, you have your life. I have my life. You have a right to live yours. I have a right to live mine. But this feeling of wanting to be loved and wanting to be accepted. It's like ingrained in us. It's like, it's a human need at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's not a bad, um, it's just important to surround ourselves with people that will give us that feeling of comfort so that we can ultimately find ourselves. I think that's why we're here. You know, that's awesome. So there, there's a relatively long process when you decide to do this, right? Is there, there's, hormone therapy among other things that you have to do right yeah yeah go ahead uh so i'm in north carolina Uh and uh, i was born and raised in north carolina but i'm actually based in california um which makes it easier um the first thing for me was understanding like just what it was to be transgender and whether or not i was going to actually go through a physical transition because not everybody who identifies as transgender or gender non-conforming goes through a physical transition. Mm. Um, it's aside from other things, it's also, it's not cheap. Um, so sometimes access is an issue and sometimes it's enough to say, Hey, this is how I feel. I identify as this gender. Please use this pronoun for me. Um, and that should be enough for, for someone to, to be able to affirm who they are in the world, just accept it. Um, and sometimes our communities do, and sometimes our communities don't. So for me, it was like, okay, do you, do you want to go through a physical transition? Mm -hmm. Like, or is it enough for you to just tell your community to start referring to you as Sean, as 
male use male pronouns. Um, as mate. And, <laughs> as mate, yeah, instead of sweetie, exactly. And um, I just, honestly, Zephyr, I was thinking about, look, we have this finite amount of time. And one day we're all going to die. It's all going to be over. And we find out what the reason for all of this stuff happening was. And I thought, what is what is my body? What is my body? My body is like an outfit that I'm wearing. And it's like, you would you rather wear an outfit that you feel comfortable in? Or would you rather be in an outfit that you don't feel comfortable? Because inside who you are is not changing. It's not like you're smarter. It's, you know, it's not like you're funnier, although I, I am funnier. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it's just really, it's just a sense of like, am I wearing an outfit that I feel comfortable and safe in and that I feel good in? And I wanted to know what that felt like because I never knew what that felt like. And I thought, you know, God knows how, how long this life is going to be. Just just spend it in a way that you're going to feel comfortable. Um, so physically, the, the first thing that had to happen was just mentally saying, okay, I'm ready for this. Um, then there was this whole process of uh, changing my name because my birth name, I didn't at all identify Mm. What um, was your birth name, by the way? Uh, I'll tell you. I, I usually don't answer the question, but now that I think about it, I'm like, it's actually, it's online, it's everywhere. So uh, my birth name was Sabina. And Sabina actually means princess. Interesting. When I was born, what my parents thought they were getting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they had the shock of their lives when I told them, yeah, nope. That's not at all what's, what's going to happen. I was going to say, if it translated to sweetie, that would be ironic. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That would be. Actually, I, I never got nicknamed princess ever by anyone. So people kind of knew <laughs> somewhere along the way. But um, when I, the reason I, I had to change my name at the time. So I had my thesis film. I went to film school and I was starting to hit the festival circuit with my thesis film. And I was in the in the suite with my editor and we're putting the titles on the film and it's like the credit comes up directed by and I thought oh my god what name do I put because legally I hadn't changed my name yet um and I hadn't even told my family I'm you know I want to change my name yeah and but I was like I'm not gonna tour the festival circuit with the old name because at some point I'm gonna change it and I already knew what I wanted the new name to be so I just told the editor I want you to put my new name Sean Desani that's awesome and I told her and I, don't, I talk to her, like, so much through this process. You know what I mean? Because, like, you're going through this, putting your art out there and you're creating this this vision. It's It opens you up in other ways, too. Yeah. Um, so we started hitting the festival circuit with a new name. And, um, and I, told, I sent a letter to my family, an email, you know, to, like, my huge, like, extended family that, oh, these are the updates happening with the movie. Da-da-da. We're going to this festival, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, I am changing my name because dot, dot, dot. Um, you know, everyone in Hollywood changes their name. <laughs> like, yeah. But some some family members kind of knew what was up, you know. So, um, so for me, the first process was changing my name unofficially. And then months later, it was le- I went through the legal process here in California. Um, you can do your name and gender marker change legally at the same time. But I wasn't yet ready to do the gender marker change because I didn't know what would be involved. Um, went to the courthouse, filed the paperwork, changed the name, and then started researching doctors. Um, people have different processes. Uh, some people choose to 
uh, go through hormone hormone therapy first. Yeah. Uh, versus surgery. Some people do surgery first, and some people might do just one or the other. So there was still a lot of figuring out in terms of what was right for me. Um, but w- whichever order people do it in, hormone therapy, if people decide to do it, is necessary for the rest of your life. So that's not some. I'm not big into Western medicines or anything. Yeah. Like I don't even like Tylenol. You know what I mean? It's like I'd rather just wait it out or drink a lot of water or anything else. But this would mean for me taking testosterone injections for the rest of my life. And I had to kind of, you know, even sit with that. Like, what's your comfort level? Is that something that you want to commit to? And um, I thought, well, ultimately, if I want to be the person I am, like, it's not always going to be, you're not always going to get everything in this, you know, everything's always like good favor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not always going to be work out in this rosy way. So it's like, there's going to be some like, um, some things to deal with, some yeah. things to manage. And I thought, yeah, I'm up for that. That's fine. I'll, I'll handle that. It's going to empower me to be more in control of my health um, and more mindful of what what other effects that might have on my body. Um, so nothing is proven. Like all the research I did, there's nothing proven that they've, how testosterone would affect someone who's transitioning from female to male. There are rumors of things like how it can affect your internal organs um but i guess scientifically they haven't proven anything yet but just kind of being mindful of what some of the effects might be i thought everything else that you're doing in your life you have to make sure supports that so i wasn't i wasn't i was never like big in drinking at all um but i cut out alcohol completely i don't smoke and everything in terms of diet became more holistic um, just more greens, more vegetables. I'm, I'm vegetarian anyway, but just making sure I'm not eating junk because it's really easy to do that too. reach for like junky foods when you're vegetarian because it's so easy to do. Um, but just uh, just trying to stay on top of like drinking water and like uh, paying attention to even other things I'm doing. Like, I don't know, it seems like really involved, but even hair gel, like chemicals and hair gel, like I don't use hair gel anymore. I'll use something more natural, like an oil or something like that to give my hair like a little bit of shine. I you know mean, what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's like, a whole new lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole new lifestyle. So I just wanted to take care of myself and be around for the long haul as much yeah. as possible. It, a huge lesson in, you know, once you figure out what you are comfortable with or where you are going to be comfortable that chasing it pretty much at all costs is really what you should do because this is the rest of your life that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, not just, I'm going to feel terrible for a week. I mean, we, why should you feel uncomfortable the rest of your life when you have the choice to follow, you know, what your body is naturally telling you to feel? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you brought up water there, which I have to ask you now, because I know we were chatting about this uh, before we jumped on the the call for for this, but uh, you told me about an interesting drink that you are trying. So I think this will be a cool way to round out the episode here. Um, So we jumped on the call, we started chatting, and you're like, hey, I just tried this new drink with, is it, it's dandelions, is that right? (laughs) <laughs> so tell me, because I know that you take a holistic approach on things, and especially with your nutrition, maybe some people listening in might want to try this, because 
you know, I told you I just had my coffee and it was probably my third one for this week. Uh, and you had a much more interesting and potentially better solution for it. So what was that? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to sound like a crazy hippie Californian right now. <laughs> but like, I kind of embrace that part of my personality, too, because I kind of am. But this is just like um, a friend of mine told me about. This. So she's uh, she does she's an Ayurvedic practitioner. Um, so she was recommending for me and certain things happening with my body right now to have this a dandelion drink. So you take you go to the grocery store, you can get at the grocery store. It's like a like a big bunch, like kind of like kale, but it's not as um, hard. Like, you know, how kale is like a really hard leaf. It's not as hard, uh, but it comes in like this big bunch. And I took half of the bunch, put it in the blender, put in some water, blended it. And that's it. And you can I think with half a bunch, like again, Zeph and I'm new at this. So like don't necessarily go by my ex my quote unquote expertise, but like I took half the bunch, put it in water, blended it, and then that made about two days worth of the green juice. Just drink it straight like that. And um I had it right before the interview. I thought, oh, you know, it might be nice to have a little bit of a glow <laughs> during this podcast. I don't know what's happening or not, but I feel good. I feel energetically really good. That's really cool. That, so I'm all about trying new and weird stuff, whether it's food or experiences. Um, I don't know if I had told you, but I tried a float tank. It's an isolation chamber, soundproof and lightproof. It uh, has 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt in it and water that's only about six or seven inches deep. And uh, you float in it for about hour, two hours. And uh, after about 10, 15 minutes uh, without all the stimuli of light and sound, you actually start to hallucinate. Uh, in a good way. Um, it's kind of like daydreaming. And I actually got to approach my, my inner child, my like five, six or seven year old self uh, and ask all these amazing questions. And this happened right before I came up with the idea for the podcast. So for everybody listening, like don't throw away these ideas because you never know what could come out of it. Uh, and unless someone's instructing you to go jump off of a cliff, in which case you should probably say no, uh, stuff like this, uh, it's not hazardous, it can't hurt your health, it's something cool to try just to see what happens with it. So uh, just a unique thing to check out, guys. Um, Sean, before we wrap this up, you know, I, I want to have you back here because I feel like there's 18 more things we could talk about. Uh, and I want to make sure that this podcast stays a reasonable length for everybody listening in here. But, um, you know, thank you everyone for listening, first of all. Uh, Sean is doing great things with Born to Transform. Things, I guess the ball is rolling with that. We're not totally launched yet. Is that what's happening right now? The ball is rolling. Uh, I, like I said, I just shot a sizzle trailer about a month ago, and we are starting to pitch. We are looking for production companies and also the right home for the project and want to make sure we have the right distribution outlet for it. So um, if folks go to my website, shandasani.com, the sizzle trailer is there. Anyone can watch it. And we've got a contact form over there. Uh, I check that personally. So whoever wants to get in touch, if they're interested in jumping on board with the project or helping out, uh, that's the stage we're in. So we really do appreciate, we really appreciate that. Yeah. So if you guys are an expert in a certain topic or thing, uh, and you want to maybe teach Sean or help Sean out or, uh, you know, help out just with Born to Transform, even if you want to just send him an email and say, hey, I really love what you're doing or I resonate with your message. Uh, you know, I encourage everybody listening or watching to do that. Um, for all of you guys listening in, uh, just so you know, 
it helps us immensely if you leave a review on our iTunes and Stitcher Radio uh, streams for this podcast. If you're on YouTube here, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button. You can like us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash year of purpose and www.yourpurpose.com. We actually put the show notes where we'll link to Born to Transform's trailer and how you guys can get in touch with Sean. So thank you guys so much for watching or listening. And Sean, thanks for spending some time with me. I definitely want to have you back again in the near future so we can continue this talk. Awesome. We'll both have some green juice sitting on the side. I'm down. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. You've probably heard me talk about designing a life that you actually want to live. You might have even heard about my travels or experiences and thought to yourself, yeah, I do want to do that. Eventually, someday I'll probably do it. And my guess is that you've been thinking about doing it for a long time. So I want to tell you this. Stop thinking. Your time is right now. You don't need any more time. You don't need any more info. You don't need to keep putting it off and planning for the perfect time because the truth of the matter is this. You could be the person who sits around and thinks about living a better life, or you can be the person that decides that today is the day that you're going to actually do it and I want that for you. Because you already have what it takes. You've got a fire inside, even if you can't see it right now. It's lit, but you need to open yourself up to the possibilities and throw a couple logs into the flames. So join me and the Euro Purpose tribe by subscribing to our YouTube channel and iTunes podcast. And if you really like us, please leave a review. This is Effin Moses Blacksburg, and I can't wait to see you again on the Year of Purpose podcast.